Right, brother. You said you got that awkward pauses, so I'm going to have to rip into you for the next half an hour. <laughs> My man. That's all. You get into Mate. it. <laughs> Mate, I first came across your stuff because you started talking about moving through the spine and training different ranges of motion through the spine, right, rather than just creating some rigidity and that's it. You know, let's just stabilize through the spine and not move. Well, that's great, all right, but we also need to be able to flex and extend and, and rotate through the spine as well. And then I kind of dig a little bit deeper and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy's talking about some cool shit. I like it a lot. I like it a lot, you know, with different philosophies of training. And I like to throw it all in the melting pot and give it a stir and see what comes out, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all just trying to get a little bit better. You know, it's all just fitness. You know, we we love to shoot ourselves in the foot by saying, no, Zumba's the only way, you know, fighting's the only way, powerlifting's the only way. It's like, uh, they're all the same stuff. You know, we're all trying to do the same stuff in different mediums. Just move the body and get better at doing so and also that thing upstairs, right, the top two inches. So that's how I got onto you, mate. And it's uh, it's an honour and a privilege to sit down and have a chat, mate. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me on. Mate, why'd you get into it? Fitness. Uh, I always loved training myself, to be honest. Um, growing up as a kid, I was always active. I played sports uh, for the majority of my life. Um, I was big on athletics, basketball, taekwondo, uh, so I had a pretty good background with sports. And as I got older, um, I started to delve into, well, obviously I had a passion for the army. I signed up to the army and I was a rifleman in the Australian army and things didn't go too well in the army in terms of going overseas, doing a tour. Uh, I missed the boat on that. Um, our battalion wasn't going into rotation to go overseas. And that kind of led me down a path of training three times a day. That's all we did in the, in the army was just train, train, train. Well, that's all I did, really did. And um, the closest thing I could find to give me that, sh that kind of rush that I was getting from the army with the military training was CrossFit at the time, where I like to push myself out of my comfort zone to see how far I could go. And CrossFit was was an outlet for me outside of the army when things weren't going uh, in my favor in terms of my work situation. I wasn't happy there. And uh, I got into coaching pretty much through, through the army. The army gave me guidance. Um, and there was two options. It was either like stay in the army and become a physical training instructor in the army. Yeah. Or, or take the risk and leave and go out and chase my dreams to become a coach. And that's what I did. I, I left. I left early. I discharged early. And and I ended up becoming a, a CrossFit coach and I worked for free for months. I worked for free. I was on um, I was on Centrelink. We call it the dole here, mm. where you're getting government payments of $250 a week. $150 a week of that went to my rent. $50 of that went to an online coach. And then I lived off tuna and sweet potato. And this is going, this is going back maybe oh, close to 15 years ago. Um, and it was it was a pretty like scary time. But when you're that young, the last thing on your mind is is making money. You just want stability and 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 
you want to find the things that you love doing. You're still trying to find who you are as a person. And uh, the army gave me the positives out of the army gave me a, a lot of insight into what I wanted to do with my life. Now, <clears throat> in obviously, when you're, you're older, you've got more responsibilities. You need to, you know, I'm a dad now, I'm, I'm a husband, um, and I need to provide for my family. So training takes a second seat now when it comes to, to that aspect. So being a trainer, I always thought, you know, if I'm a trainer, that means I get to train myself more and I get to be in the gym and be do things that I love on a daily basis. And as you get, you know, further down into your career, that's not always the case. You don't always have that um, that time to train and put into yourself because uh, you're a business owner, you're running a business now, you've got clients to look after, you know, you've got very limited time where you have to structure your training in around your work schedule. So, yeah, to answer your question, um, the Army w was what got me into, into coaching, pretty much mm -hmm. gave me the guidance of where I wanted to go with my life. It's a great stepping stone, isn't it? Like I've I've listened and, and spoken to a lot of people who went down the PTI route and then also took the route similar to yourself of like, all right, well, we got trained up and we learned this and this is kind of our realm and I thrive in this environment of the physical training aspect and don't get me wrong, the mental aspect too. You can't be uh, weak as piss upstairs if you're going through the army training. That's just not going to happen. You're not going to pass, right? And then they take that and then come out into civvy life and be like, right, well, let's now try and roll the dice with this business thing. Let's try and, you know, get it into the public and private sector a little bit more and, and, and learning it that way. And yeah, I, I think that's a great step, mate. You know, you've learned lessons. We've changed the context in which we're now going to apply it, you know, and that bridges into like the philosophy of our training, right? Of like, all right, well, it's not just one type of person we can help. We can help everybody and, you know, from the CEO down to the kid, you know, and it's it what we do with them is all going to have to change a little bit. We're not going to put a kid under a barbell and be like, right, let's max out. Same thing. We're not going to put a CEO on the monkey bars, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, it's a little bit different. So like what, what had the biggest influence on your training philosophy? Over the years, a lot of trial and error and being the client myself. So because I, I love training and a great way to learn was to feel whatever it is that you're learning so you know how to prescribe it. And I found that obviously through CrossFit, whatever trend I was, not trend, but whatever whatever stage I was I was in at, my, at, that, at that point in my life in terms of training, let's say it was CrossFit, I'd reach out and I'd find the best in the industry who I found to deem to be the best. And... Um, Early in my early in my career, I stumbled across Michael Fitzgerald and James Fitzgerald from Opex Fitness. It used to be called Optimum Performance Training. And Michael, who I worked with, extremely smart guy. Uh, he's I still hold him very high up on a pedestal when it comes to energy system development. And he basically used strength and conditioning principles in a chaotic sport like CrossFit with mixed modal methods, many moving parts, many things to consider. And they did a fantastic job with creating a system and a set rule of principles to, to, to train the sport of CrossFit in a way that didn't break your body down and gave you more longevity in the sport. 
where you could actually enhance your quality with CrossFit with minimizing the risk of detrimental effects later on with the way that it was prescribed in that current model. I think they were ahead of their time in that aspect, which is why they're so successful now. Um, and they, Michael Fitzgerald was, was my first big influence into energy system development and pretty much program design from the start. Now that it's evolved a lot since then, mm-hmm. learned a whole heap of information um, and, and, you know, I've had a heap of mentors and, and been a client under a lot of other coaches along the way. And that has definitely paid dividends into the way that I coach my athletes and view strength and conditioning and just the fitness industry today. Mate, I love that, man, because you took the initiative to be the student first rather than just, hey, I'm the teacher now. You know, I got that qualification. It's It's laminated. It's up on the wall, right? It's like, I don't... I don't think we're ever truly that wise man who knows everything. You know, it's like we we need to be the student at all times as well as we need to be able to teach at all times. If we can't teach it to, you know, a child, then we don't know it well enough. You know, it's... Um, I think, personally, I think um, when I was in the army, the way the way we were taught skills was so clear, concise that they broke it down to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And for me to truly understand something, I need I need to feel it. I need to see it. I need to coach it. I need to fuck it up. I need to correct it. Then I need to re-prescribe it. And then I need to continually do it. And the only way you get good at stuff is through repetition, making mistakes, re-correcting, and then being able to prescribe it knowing the negatives of what could happen from that prescription if it's done incorrectly. And that's the thing. Everybody looks at the upside when they design their plans and training where you should be focused on utilizing a negative approach on what could go wrong. It'll have, it's more of a conservative approach, but the conservative approach can always be upscaled where if you start too high, trying to downscale somebody, especially with an athlete, is quite demoralizing in some sense, but also you may not set them up for success from the start. So that's pretty much I, I, the way I honestly feel in coaches these days. It's you you got to – I'm not slagging the fitness industry in general, but I'm not saying people are lazy, but there's a difference between living and breathing the, the craft, right? You can – you can sit there, you can read books, um, you know, you can you can be mentored by people, but if you don't actually put yourself through the paces and feel the demands of stress, you won't have the the you won't know the ins and outs of it. And me not being very articulate and intelligent, I came from a, a background where I left school at a very young age. I didn't have a, a very good education growing up. I grew up in a rough neighborhood in western suburbs of Sydney and most of my friends didn't speak fluent English they were from other countries war-torn countries um, you know that came from broken families as well and the communication that we had and the level of uh, let's say English in that term was very poor now me stepping into this role as, as a coach a teacher I always found it hard to articulate and communicate a message. So 
by me feeling it and seeing it, the attention to detail and, and, and going by feel gave me the tools then to be able to communicate it in a better way than what I currently knew with the limitations that I had. Mm. So I think that that with coaches, they, they don't spend enough time in the trenches. And I think you look at the success rate with mo most coaches, it's like a one to 2% success rate. It's even less online and knowledge is power, but knowledge without action is useless. I think. And that's something my, my father taught me at a very young age. And you can have all the book knowledge in the world, but if you can't put it to practice and a lot of people overlook experience, experience is like when you look at it, when you look at what, when something goes wrong, an experienced trainer will automatically run through scenarios in their head that they've experienced in the past, mm -hmm. which will be able to redirect and and have a more viable approach with their with their training on the spot to be able to redirect the approach and to to actually instead of throwing you know instead of actually falling off the bandwagon you can still get results with problems arise because you know how to redirect the training based off past experiences as well so spending time in the trenches being the client yourself um, actually. Saying it's okay, I don't understand this, I don't know enough about it, but I want to get better at it. And that was something for me. It was like, for example, I, I was learning a lot about tendon health and I, I didn't understand the matrix system of a tendon. And I wanted to understand the, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, collagen and, and what the tendons were made up of. So I still don't understand it, but it's it's something that drove me to to want to get better at even with past injuries so being injured yourself and, and my philosophy with this is if you're a trainer and you've never really suffered a serious injury from a sport or from being in the gym or something like that you've never really pushed yourself and that may sound like a bit cocky in that sense but it Injuries happen from either like overload, exposure to stress that your body's not ready for. Um, you know, there's many moving parts and variables that go into why injuries may happen. They're very unpredictable. But once you've dealt with that and you've worked your way through it, that's almost like being a client yourself with injuries. If you look at it from that sense, you know how to obviously navigate your way around limitations from your own personal experiences. And I think that's where experience comes into play and it's overlooked, but also don't be lazy with that sense. There's no quick solution to, to the getting good at your craft. There's no, there's no chat GPT out there. That's going to make you a better coach by reciting information and not understanding what you're actually saying. That's the thing, man. I think people are, uh, forcing or focusing too much on the hard skills right yes we need to know the foundational knowledge in this thing yes we need to know how the body works the biomechanics we need to we need to learn all these things periodization brilliant fantastic but do we have those soft skills can we communicate effectively do we understand the vibe that somebody's 
putting off. They walk into the gym today. Oh, maybe it's not their day. They are fucking dragging ass through that door. Or maybe they come in the opposite way around, right? Like all cheery and happy and it's skipping through the door. You're like, oh, mint, maybe they're having a good day. Maybe we got to rudder adjust again. Maybe we got to turn the volume up. Maybe we can turn the intensity up. Those soft skills are interpersonal skills, right? I think that's what makes our job fun, right? In in one sense, but also quite hard to define, right? It's like, well, how do you how do you teach that? How do you pass that knowledge on? And I think I think you've summed it up perfectly of you got to be in the fucking trenches. I think you have to fuck it up so many times. Like I don't know how many classes I've taken that have been shit. I don't know how many times I've done a one-on-one that's been shit. I've said something and I've stuttered over the words and you know, you get all red and embarrassed and anxious and all that type of shit, right? And you're like, oh, fuck, I really messed that one up. That one's on me. No one else. I can't put point fingers. That one was on me. It's like, yeah, but then you end up learning how to deal with people. You know, like we said before, with dealing with people with different nationalities, you know, I'm a huge advocate of changing gyms and changing cities and, you know, I mean, fucking nomadic podcast, right? I'm a bit of a nomad myself. Change countries move opposite side of the world, just fucking throw yourself in a deep end. You're either going to sink or swim because you develop different skills from places and people that you never would have met before. Right. And then you'll end up figuring it out and you can't quite put your finger on it, but you can do it. You know, it's like, Oh, somebody's Barbara's come through the gym today and I can just tell she's slightly off and then you can provide her with what she needs right? Rather than what she wants. Right? People tell you what they want all the time, but are they really being truthful? Probably not because they don't know who the fuck they are, never mind what they want. Most of mm-hmm. our job is giving them what they need in the short term so they can get what they want in the long term. Yeah, from, from a fitness or strength and conditioning point of view, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, communication is a big thing with your clients and, you know, just talking to your clients on what their perception is of, let's say, exercise or what they think, you know, a certain movement is targeting or anything like that. But, I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough in, in my career being around long enough, and this may sound not arrogant, but it may sound a little bit, I don't know, shrewd to some people, but I've been in the game long enough and I kind of know who I want to work with. Um and the type of clientele I re- I, I'm working with now. And you do have to have a niche, but you need to be a generalist before someone who specializes in a particular niche. You need to learn more about the industry. And and the lately what I've been learning contradicts the traditional <laughs> the traditional methods that you've been exposed to with small worlds. And you know, it makes you question rigid systems and training programs that will not work long-term in unpredictable environments. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at now with my training and working with clients is I'm I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I can choose who I'd like to work with, whether they would fit the mold and we would connect, Um, you know, and that, that is something that's very important because when you're starting out, you're you're going to have to take on whatever you can get in order to to fulfill on the table. Now that's that's not the case for you, and 
you're you're lucky enough to be in a position where you've done a really good job as a coach and you can kind of not select, but you know, be a bit more, let's say, well, let's use the word selectful in who you work with. You're just going to attract the right people. Mm. And the messages that you put out there, especially with your content, you're just going to attract the right people that you want to work with. And perhaps you won't have to deal with so much of the mental drain that, you know, as you as you were saying. And I predominantly train 99% men. Mm. And this isn't a sexist thing. This is just who I connect with more. And the way that I actually coach, um, my style of coaching and the way that I communicate fits better working with men. Um, I'm a married man. <laughs> my wife and I, you know, one woman in my life is definitely enough. So, you know, in that aspect, I found that I was always not being true to myself mm-hmm. when when I had to come in and, and and deal with with those issues that were kind of outside of my scope, where I was more focused on the performance side of things and making sure that there was adherence and I like to do things my way. Um, you know, and that's just me being me. And some people, but you end up living a life and having a career that is more meaningful and enjoyable because it's you. It, you don't have to be anyone else. And the, the real, there's always going to be a mental drain that comes with that servicing clientele where they have a lot of things going on in the in you know external parts of their life. So, yeah, I, I'm lucky enough that I don't have to deal too much with that that kind of stuff now. But definitely earlier on in my career, that was a big factor. Mm. And communication was was key. Being able to communicate and and see what's going on. Because as a coach, part of the time you are almost a counselor um, in your sessions. And even though you've got your own shit going on, you need to park it aside and be selfless to be able to service the client and give them what they need the current time in order for them to get to where they want to go. Yeah, I joke around a lot saying uh, S&C isn't strength and conditioning, it's strength and counselling. Right. You know, and a lot of the time it's just hearing people's shit, man, and, and trying to give them trying to give them what they need, you know, and it's it's difficult, you know, and I think being authentic to yourself is the best thing you can do. You know, it's not like there's only three trainers out there Right. There's a there's enough of us out there that somebody's always going to relate to people. And I, one of the things that I was I was told uh starting off in this thing was there's uh there's athletes for coaches and coaches for athletes. Like you're not always going to be people's cup of tea, and that's all right. It doesn't mean you shit at your job and it doesn't mean they're a dick either. Sometimes it does <laughs> for both ways, right? Um, but you don't have to you don't have to take what you can what you what you can get. You know, you can yeah. you can just say, you know what? here's your 50 bucks back. I I can't do this anymore. And I have, I have done it, man. Like, you know, trying to put food on the table and I've literally withdrawn money from the account, put a cash back in someone's hand. It was like, nah, out you go, mate. Like you and I are not going to work, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes you got to do it. Man. Maybe, maybe yeah. there's people a lot better than us out there, but we're a bit too stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to do it that way because then you won't run into problems later on. Yep. And, 
if it's taking a mental drain on you to the point where you can't actually do your job effectively, then it might be outside of your scope where you're better off referring on. And, you know, it, it'll do that client a, a definitely a positive down the road. Yep. And it'll save you a lot of time and, and, you know, being honest with yourself and actually saying, look, can I really help this person? It's like someone coming in, like I get a lot of guys coming to me with, you know, ruptured ACLs, you know, torn meniscus. And, you know, I, I take him through some testing in the gym and, and it's just like, dude, if you want to go back to BJJ, I, I would probably consider surgery. Like that's kind of where you're at. Like if you really want to go back and compete at a high level, you know, there are some freaks out there that have changed their game in order to work around limitations from, from previous injuries. And, you know, the being honest with your client is probably one of the best things you can do for them in a nice way. For sure. For sure. I agree with that hundred percent. I got three questions, brother. Yep. What's the greatest piece of life advice you've ever received? Life advice. Work will always be there, but family won't. Mm. That's one thing that, that was I was having a hard time with um, trying to manage work-life balance. And as you get older and you have kids and you start to see, um, as men, it, not an addiction, but my dad's the same. He loves his work. He can't switch yeah. off. Yeah. Um, and he actually gave me the advice and he doesn't practice what he preaches, but it did stick with me was was actually setting boundaries and family comes first right and it and that's the main thing in my life our highest value in life and you know work will always be there and learning to to say hey that's enough for today i need to invest time into where it's important that was pretty much that's pretty deep but that's pretty much like something that kind of stuck with me yeah. Because every time I feel like I'm pulling away from, from my family because I'm I'm drawing or I'm fixated on something or solving an issue, um, or I'm I'm upskilling or researching and I can't stop, I always hear that voice in the back of my head and it's like, well, it'll always be there. You can always come back to it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that stuck with me. What's the worst piece of life advice you've ever received? Jeez, this is a tough one. I'm gonna have to take a pause here. So it was. Um geez. the worst piece of life and advice. Honestly, I, I can't really think of one to be honest. Hey, that's good. It's a pretty valid, like it's a pretty bold question. Um <laughs> I oh man, I can't answer that one to be honest. Mate, that's all good, brother. That's all good, man. You know, I mean it's also a good thing that it didn't stick with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like I haven't I can't think of one right now. I'm sure it'll pop up later on in the 
That's all good, man. You can always flick me the message. That's all good. <laughs> what are the three words you would tell your younger self? Say again. What are the three words you would tell your younger self? Tell me and myself. Yeah, your younger self. Three words. Huh. Save your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I would have done. Save your money and buy a house early. That's mm. one thing I would have done. It would have made life so much easier right now with property prices in Sydney. But yeah, that's my dad was that was pretty much his favorite three words. Save your money. Save your money. Mm. And um yeah, that was that's pretty much my younger self right then. It would have been I wasn't I mean, I I was a bit lost as a as a young kid, but at that present time, I blew through I made some stupid decisions as a kid growing up. I didn't have any value for for certain things that I value now. And it definitely made my life a lot harder in my 30s from not being so disciplined in my younger years. Understood. And the way the, the way the world's going now, and this isn't purely about materialistic things, it's more about security. And never thought I'd be married and, and be a father. Um, mm. And I am. And, and your values change as you get older. Mm. And looking at those three words, I wish I did that at a younger age because I'd be in a way better position to provide for my family. And that's pretty much where I'm at now. So, yeah, that's one thing. It sounds a bit corny and, and cliche, but save your goddamn money and put it in the right places. Love it, man. It's hard to do when you when you're young and you know everyone's going out having a good time and and you just want to have a good time too. So yeah, that that'd be the de definitely be the the three words I would, I would tell myself at a younger age. Brother, thank you so much for your uh, time, man. This is an honor and privilege. Awesome, mate. Mate, I'll have to let you know when I get to Sydney, man. We'll get a workout. Yeah, in. for sure. Sounds good. Come Let's train. Let's do it, morning. brother. Hundred percent, yeah. mate. I'm there. Yeah, I'll let you know. All Thanks, right. Man. You have a good day, man, and we'll uh, talk soon. All right. Thank you. My man. Bye, Bye everybody.